Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 345. And tonight, we are back on schedule. We are recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We're going to be looking at episode 227, which is available for free right now on the Webtoons app, and 228, which is only available if you are fast-passing, which even if we didn't fast-pass on a regular basis, we almost certainly would have fast-passed this one because 227 ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yes, and 227 gives us some more backstory on the 10 years in between when um, Persephone lost her trial and was banished to the mortal realm, and we finally get the origin story of Psyche, Eros's wife. Yes. Yes. So, okay. We start 227 with a flashback. It's the moment when Apollo shoots Eros with an arrow. We see them fall to Earth. And next thing we see is Psyche, and she's in a bed, and she's recovering, and she's told that she's being detained, but it's like the nicest prison you could possibly imagine. Yeah, a nymph has come there just wearing a regular green jacket, extremely casual, I think, and telling mm-hmm. her that, you know, this is Olympus. Oh, which reminds me, you need to make sure to pick your breakfast options. So it's like exactly. a really fancy hotel. And she tells her that she's not allowed to see anybody until after she's seen Zeus. Uh-huh. But uh, her mother, she referred to it as her mother-in-law, which I think is awesome. The Aphrodite was very forceful and dropped off some presents to help Psyche while she's being detained, and there's a letter telling her that Eros was hit by a poisoned arrow, and he's very sick, but he's getting better, and they're all very hopeful that they'll be able to see each other again soon, and meanwhile, here's... And she, like, gave her, like, a... uh, I think it was called a palm pad, which I think is their version of the pomegranate pad, the iPad, Um, but also barn door lighting, which she thinks is superior to the ring lighting, so she's giving her the stuff that she needs in order to do her, like, like video blogging or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just so Aphrodite. Well, yeah, I mean, giving somebody the perfect kind of selfie light. I mean, as far as Aphrodite is concerned, only the essentials, right? right. So, yes. Right. Um, she's eventually, Psyche is shown into Zeus's office. It's right after the trial, like immediately after the trial. He's like, okay, so apparently you shot Apollo with an arrow, and he's just impressed. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. be surprised. Everybody's been impressed. The nymph who was talking to her when she was being detained, she was just like, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's a mortal who shot Apollo with an arrow. You can't get much more badass than that. Yeah. And Zeus says, look, there's a lot of people mad at me. I'm not up for destroying anybody else's relationship. Eros says that he loves you more than anything. So here's what we're going to do. And he offers her the ambrosia to turn her into a goddess, except he says there's no such thing as a free lunch. Right. And in order to become a goddess and to be able to stay in Olympus, which a mortal wouldn't be able to do, she is going to have to keep an eye on Apollo. And you see, like, the words floating in space, is that all? So it's not a problem. No, no, no. And next we see Eros and Aphrodite, and they're nervously waiting, and you see Zeus bring in this frozen form of Psyche. And, of course, Eros suspects the worst. He's like, what did you do? And he said, it's fine, just give me a minute. And Psyche floats into the air, and wings sprout from her back. And Zeus says, I present to you Psyche, goddess of the soul. And she looks gorgeous, because she's got those wonderful Afro pom-poms going on there, but this lovely white rainbow dress, and it's all just sumptuously beautiful, with the big purple wings. So yeah, it was everything that I had hoped for her origin story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And everybody's happy. Everything's fine. And we immediately flip over to her and Hephaestus, because this is why 
she's been working with Hephaestus to keep an eye on Apollo. It's not surreptitious at all. This is what Zeus told her to do. So they're talking about that photo of Cassandra that they found on the flash drive from Apollo. Um, you know, she's like, why does he have this photo there? And what does Hephaestus say? Something like, you're asking why a creepy guy is doing creepy things. But she wants to find out who she is and if Hephaestus can do that. And Hephaestus says, I can't, but you probably can. Because if she's been in love with someone or if someone's been in love with her, all those records are going to be with Aphrodite. So yeah. I think Psyche is really looking forward to getting the dirt on this mortal because she's sure it's something shady that Apollo is doing and maybe he can get in trouble for it. Which I'm interested in that. The only thing is, I mean, her getting information on Cassandra, we're going into another storyline. And yep. I'm like, oh, can we please just find out what he and uh, Artemis have said to each other? You know, what happened about him and everything that he was doing to Persephone? Is anybody going to address that at all? She's now queen of the underworld. Yeah, I, I'm feeling a little more hopeful after this episode because this was the information that we've been hoping to get about what happened with Eros and Psyche. And is has Psyche been banished to the mortal realm or is she apparently married to Eros? So we got this information. So I feel like the author is working her way very slowly towards more information about what was going on in the 10 years. Maybe one day we'll find out what the heck Artemis thinks about all of this. I really do because she's been, she's been out of sight for a few months now, I think ever since a while. Yeah. Ever since uh, she returned to Olympus after telling Demeter, everything that had been going on. So yeah, it's, it's about time. Yes. So we flip from there to Hades. He's in the underworld. He's taking care of that, uh, the tree of Persephone's, but he's remembering the conversation they had the night before. And it is no surprise, a lovely conversation that they had in bed when she's talking to him about a book that her therapist gave her. And it's talking about the concept of virginity, which is, you know, I think we all sort of believe it's kind of like a binary state, you know, you're a virgin or you're not a virgin, but there's like a concept of virginity that kind of like on or off thing leaves out a lot of people who don't have like maybe traditional sexual relationships or whatever. And it's, I don't know, I guess it was basically talking like, you should define what virginity means to you. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed in some of the commenters on this episode because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people did agree that yes, if you were attacked and it wasn't your choice, it really shouldn't count as sex because it's not really sex for the rapist most of the time it's a power thing so the idea that you can choose as persephone is doing that when she and hades finally have sex it will be her first time i think that's very healthy and i think a lot of people agreed with that but then a lot of people also said well i really don't agree with the idea that people could just go ahead and have sex with like 20 people because that makes you look kind of whorish i'm like oh my god would you please stop it This, this idea of defining people by how many people they've had sex with is just so freaking old I think and it always only applies to women I'm sorry but it just does if a guy has sex with 20 women then it's considered really cool of the guy and if a woman does then she's somehow damaged and I just I keep thinking back to that article you read and it was actually addressing when Jeremy Renner was referring to the Black Widow as being a slut because she had sex with a lot of people and I think your essay um, why shouldn't we call Black Widow a slut was really good because it is just 
It's being arbitrary is the problem, that someone has decided that this number of sexual partners is acceptable, but over that is not, and it doesn't matter anything else that's going on in their life. This just becomes what defines them, and I think we need to stop that. Yeah, we really do. Yeah, I'm very surprised because the, I don't know, the commenters are usually... I don't know. They seem to be very supportive of people. And to take that kind of like hard lined opinion, like if you have sex with too many people, it makes you a whore. I'm like, wow, that that's more of a Twitter type of comment, isn't it? It is. I feel like it was being dressed up as a sort of concern thing. Like you're not valuing yourself. I think it was women that were making some of these comments, which. Oh no. Yeah. I, and I even said that in the article that I had written about it, just the idea that, I mean, the, the whole slut term, I'm not really singling out a single gender. I, you know, women as well as men will throw that term around, surely. Yeah, and it's it's this whole idea that it's not healthy, but it still becomes an idea of, but you look like a whore if you do that. And that's yeah. not really yeah. going in the right direction, I don't think. No, not really. But anyway, at least Persephone and Hades are perfectly fine with conversation, and it flips to Hades in present time, and he's like, man, I I really have to figure out a way to propose to her. And so he's freaking out. He's made all these rings for her, and none of them are right, and Cerebus is whining, and he tells Cerebus, he's like, you've got to, you know, live independently of her, you know, Cerebus, and not think about her every second of every day. And of course, you know what happens next. Yeah, he suddenly realizes that he's being somebody, and he just darts out of there, so... Yeah, but yeah. he shows up at Persephone's apartment dressed in a dressing gown with a rose clench between his teeth, and he suddenly looks up, and there's Persephone, and she's not happy. No and that's where we end the episode. Yeah, it does not matter if we were fast-passing or not. At that point, I would have definitely fast-passed. I'm like, oh my god, why is she mad? So, you know, spoilers, we start the next episode, episode 228, and of course, everything's fine. So, and of course, there's the trope about if a woman's got the glare of death going on, then the men in her life need to run scared. Well, that is what Hades reacts as, but he's worried that she's upset, but he's also probably a little worried that she's mad at him, but he just, he, he spits out the rose and he tells her, I mean, you look beautiful, but you also look unhappy, but you don't not look beautiful because you're unhappy. I just wanted to clarify as to not glamorize your sorrow. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like every other quote unquote problem that they have. She has a feeling. And so she wants to talk about the feeling with him. And what she wants to talk about is like, what's the one source of tension that could have been between the two of them the last few episodes? The fact that he called Hera bunny. She wants to talk to him about the fact that she feels terrible, that she feels insecure about Hera because Hera is so nice to them and she doesn't like feeling this way and she wants to tell him. And it's just, it's so freaking healthy. There's no secrets between these two. It's wonderful. And Hades tells her that, you know, I could stop calling her bunny if that makes you upset. And she says, no, I don't want you to change your relationship with her. She just, Mm -hmm. she feels like she has to deal with that. And he tries to make her feel better by saying that he sometimes feels a little bit jealous or possessive. And it's because, in this case, of Aries, because he thinks that Aries is kind of glamorous in a way because he's the god of war and, you know, kind of dashing and maybe a little bit more exciting than Hades himself is. But 
Persephone's saying, no, he's not really dashing. He's just kind of a jerk. And he's also sort of blackmailing her into going on this date because he has information and she doesn't care for that, but she's going to do it anyway because Hades doesn't want to stand in the way of her finding out stuff about her just because he's feeling insecure about it. And she says, well, maybe you could come along. And he says, I don't think he would like that. And then Persephone gets this evil smile. And I got to say, the artwork of Persephone in all of this is, as usual, beautiful, especially when she's sitting there looking at him and saying, well, maybe you could come along. I just, that was my favorite picture in the whole two episodes, I think, of her just smiling like that. Oh, such gorgeous pictures. But we immediately flip forward because, of course, if Persephone wants something, she's going to get her way. And you see her and she's, I think, in sort of like mortal world garb. So it's more of like the traditional Roman type of stuff. and Hades has transformed himself into a big black moth that's riding in her hair. And he's basically like, I don't know that I should have done this. Why didn't I just use my cloak of invisibility? Oh, and she says something like, oh, I think you're cuter this way. You're my fuzzy little guy. And he's sitting there muttering, fuzzy little guy. So, <laughs> And he does look very cute. And uh, some of the commenters have said that they really want a plushie of Hades oh, in yes. moth form. Oh, that would be adorable. And you know what? You could actually do both of them because... When she first came to visit Hades, when they basically first met and he was all drunk and everything, she had kind of transformed herself into like a little like butterfly or whatever. So we could have like a butterfly Persephone and a moth Hades and it'd be adorable. Do you think that was why she suggested that he turn into a moth? I mean, I think she thinks their whole, when she watched the video of their whole first meeting, I think she thought it was hilarious while he thought it was embarrassing. And I do feel yeah. like she sometimes wants to like laugh about that a little bit more. I think you're absolutely right. But uh, they meet up with Ares, and Ares says, what does he say? Something like, you know, I knew you were going to show up. You couldn't resist my animal magnetism. <laughs> and she says something like, if by animal magnetism you mean blackmail, then sure. She's not even a little intimidated. No, not even a little bit. He hands her something, and it's a protein bar. And he's like, here. And he walks away, and you see Hades say something like, oh, oh, I guess this is the quote-unquote dinner part of the date. But it's real, like, I don't know, like, Ares really wants to make sure that technicality is there, you know? He'd invited her on a date for, like, food or whatever. He's given her some food, fine, and now he shows her to a hole in the ground. Which he's not really keen on going down into a dark hole with Ares, but he goes down first, so of course she follows him. And what they find is a shrine, and it's to the old gods. And some of those old gods are their goddesses, actually. And he shows her a hidden section, which he found this years and years ago when he was a child, and Zeus would visit this on a regular basis. So there's a shrine to the goddess Gaia, the goddess Rhea, and the goddess Metis. But then there's a section of the shrine that apparently used to have another goddess, but it's been scrubbed out. And I think Hades seems to think it was Zeus that did that. But I don't know if we have evidence that's what's happening. I see. That's what I wondered. Um, So who was, I forget, who was the goddess who died in Zeus's arms, his mother? Um, Rhea. That That was Rhea. Rhea. So Metis, of course, he ate Metis, and that was um, Hera's mother. Mm -hmm. Um, So the next goddess in line would be Persephone. And that's what, I, I think he probably did wipe it out, that 
that shrine would have shown Persephone as the next fertility goddess in line, whoever created that. And Zeus has been trying very hard for a long time to make sure that nobody knows that. So yeah, I think that would have been Persephone, the next one that was actually rubbed off the wall. I guess so, except all of this would have happened years and years and years before Zeus, before Persephone was born. And he didn't did he just find out midway through the whole thing when he found out what Persephone had done when she slaughtered all those mortals? That was when he found out that she was a fertility goddess. I don't think he knew that when she was just like going to school in Olympus and visiting Hera and Zeus for dinner occasionally. I don't think he knew she was a fertility goddess. No, but I wonder what that picture looked like if it showed Persephone and all of her underworld red-eyed fertility goddess Hmm. queen of the underworld form. Would he have been able to recognize that and the tiny little shy cinnamon bun of a daughter of Demeter who didn't know anything about anything? I mean, he might not have connected the two. Maybe. Well, there's some people in the forum that were commenting that she's got a little bit bit of each of the previous fertility goddesses like she's got Gaia's power of you know green growing things mm. and Rhea's hair color kind of the the pink mm. purple sort of color and someone said that those that she grows these like tree like wings when she was yes. in her goddess form and that's yes. like Medes so it does yeah. seem like there's a progression going on there well but um, Persephone's checking it out, and I, that's one of the pictures that I really like. There's this moment where she's just, like, really intensely looking at the painting of Medis. I don't know. There's something about, the like, the look in her face. It's this very concentrating look in her face and her head tilted to one side. I really like the expression. And she reaches out, and she touches it. And her eyes suddenly glow, and there's this, you know, transition, something happens, and next thing you know, she and Hades in moth form are waking up lying in the grass somewhere. And she looks up, and who does she see but Medis in her goddess form, towering over her, smiling, saying hello. And that's where we leave the episode. Ah. <laughs> so it's a good thing that we've determined that we're only going to fast pass one episode a week because otherwise I would have totally fast passed the next one. I'm oh like, my god! Yes, happen? yes. Yeah. And some people have said that if you're able to contact the other goddesses this way through the shrine, does that mean Hades might actually be able to see his mother again? Oh, does that mean Hera could see her mother again? Oh. She always said how much she missed Medes. That oh. would be so nice. And but oh. I think back. When when they had that flashback of Zeus seeing Rhea right before the battle against Cronus began and she like collapsed in his arms and then she sort of melted away and then all you saw was the shape of greenery on the whole hillside but in the shape of a woman who was lying on her side and yeah. apparently Rachel the author actually answered someone's questions about whether gods can die or be killed and she confirmed yeah she's not dead she's taking a nap and we know you know uh-huh. The hibernation can last centuries, so right. they're not, right. not they're not gone. But I do have to wonder if Medis was swallowed by Zeus, how that works? Because obviously, could could it be like what Kronos did to Hades? Could she still be alive somewhere inside uh, Zeus? That would be horrifying. Mm, yeah, that would be. Also, um, how does this tie in with? We didn't get any more information 
about the fact that Hera can hear Kronos now, and how long has that been going on? Right. So how does this all work into that? Yeah, because so. I had thought that maybe she would have been hearing him since the coma, but there were some people who were wondering, has she been able to hear him ever since he was imprisoned in Tartarus? Wouldn't that oh. be awful? That would be off. I oof, isn't it funny? I assumed it was a fairly recent development, but we don't know. We don't know. We, we don't know. know. Now, who was it who Persephone had asked something? She had asked something like, "If Metis was so powerful, why couldn't she have destroyed Kronos?" I mean, certainly Persephone has all the power she needed to destroy Kronos, and she's a fertility goddess. But these were other fertility goddesses. Um, what is it? Um, what did Ares say? Something like, "I just thought it was like." Like lady power stuff, magical right? lady stuff. I magical think is how he referred to stuff. it. It doesn't yeah. sound like he was being dismissive, no, but no, it, no. it definitely is odd. It's not answered why a goddess could have the power to destroy Kronos, and yet none of them, none of these fertility goddesses, have ever actually chosen to destroy the gods that took over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Yes, very, very interesting. Also, what is Demeter up to? We still don't know that. We still don't know that, but I think we saw a fast pass that I caught a glimpse of Demeter in one of the promo pictures. Oh, so, boy. Uh, what I'm looking for is a promo picture that includes Artemis. I don't. Yes. Why are we fixated so much on finding out how Artemis is reacting to all this? I don't know, because she's Apollo's twin sister, and Apollo sexually assaulted her friend who she was supposed to be looking out for. I just feel like Artemis is going to be gutted first and hopefully furious but we don't know we don't know know. that's it for laura olympus so i believe you said you wanted to mention something that we listened to when we were on vacation yes we were all cooking dinner one evening and you pulled out your phone and played something from the bad lip reading youtube channel which if you Mm -hmm. haven't if you haven't looked it up, you definitely need to look up uh, Bad Lip Reading NFL because that oh, is yes. just some hilarious stuff. Because I don't know how they managed to do that, but you're watching somebody say this goofy-ass stuff over the video of someone talking, and by God, it actually looks like that was what they're saying. So does. And they do everything. Um, they did a, a funny one on the floor of Congress at one point, which was pretty hilarious, but that's that's their, their, their deal. They just do little quick videos and funny little things. And then, I think it was sometime last year, Hannah sent us a link, and they really upped their game. They decided to do a bad lip reading of the Hamilton Broadway show, and... It is hilarious. I mean, the one song between the two Skylar sisters, and you see one of them saying, no, no, I think we should leave it now. And the other one's going, no, 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 I'm not done yet. (laughs) Just so funny. But what the whole thing is called is... Instead of Alexander Hamilton, it's Axe Assassin Albertson, because that's what Lin-Manuel Miranda looks like he's saying in that opening number. Well, then someone took that opening number and just made an entire long piece out of it and set it to techno music, and it's fantastic. Now, that's the thing, because I didn't know how much you remembered... We talked about this when Hannah sent us the link. That opening number was in the original thing that she sent us, and there were several songs. And the thing that surprised the hell out of me is, you know, they were doing their usual thing of making them say funny things, but they set it all to music, and there was really no reason for them to make the music that 
good. And all the music <laughs> is just, oh my God, it's so amazing. And the opening is brilliant because it tells this like sci-fi story and sets up the world of Axe Assassin Hamilton or Axe Assassin Alberts and everything. But it's beautiful. But what I think happened was, is that opening was what we all watched, mm-hmm. but that they had they had already created the entire thing. And all they released on YouTube was little clips from the songs. And then on Spotify, they released the full-length version of the songs. And I had heard that they had done that. And I thought, oh, that's kind of funny. I should listen to it at some point. And I found the theme song, which, like you said, is a whole like big song and everything. And it's just freaking brilliant. And it's all so sci-fi dystopian. And I don't... I mean, there are things... There are lines that I really like that I don't know why I like it. Like, what is one of them? Um, I am Inspector. I am Inspector of Bleecker Town, the third worst habitat in Sector KF Underground. <laughs> just, oh, I love yeah. that bit. And if you you look at you listen to that, and then you go and look at some of the other numbers they did. Like, I think um, Aaron Burr's number "Waiting" has been renamed to "Sweet Fueling." I think that's what mm-hmm. his one is. I mean, they rename all of them. All of the songs have this it'll have a theme it'll be a bizarre ass theme like you know i love beans but they run with it (laughs) they just do i mean because they're of course that one i love beans um you know got aaron burr's song and it's just because they've got all the choreography going with it as well and at one point he just sort of like says this dramatic line and he runs in a circle and all the chorus people in the background wow so fast (laughs) (laughs) and of course the skylar sisters what they're singing is pregnant and unwell man it really works it's all about you know how they've been like impregnated by aliens but it the the movement of their mouths make you think that they're actually saying it and if you're wondering if anybody in the production is upset about somebody making fun like this lin-manuel miranda retweeted a link to all of this oh my god the quote that he used was i'm too excited for this mode wonder mode oh god (laughs) he thinks it's he's just delighted it's just great yeah i i highly recommend you can look on youtube i actually think that they released it the full versions on just Spotify for a while, but I think the full versions are now on YouTube. On the Bad Lip Reading official channel, you can go there and see everything, see all their stuff and everything, but if you want to have, like, obviously our favorite thing is the main theme from Axis and Albertson. It's like the best 80s Broadway musical song. It's mm-hmm. just so fun. Oh, man. It I puts really me in, it. a little bit puts me in mind of some of the music from Tron, because it's that mm. kind of synthesized with the really lovely chord progressions going on oh yeah it's great i love it yeah not much uh, to mention here i watched i don't know i was just catching up on stuff i watched both glass onion mm-hmm. and the final james bond no time to die oh I watched no them kidding both of them this weekend yeah yeah and, and what think, did you think both of them are good i think there's a tiny chance that no time to die was a little overhyped before i saw it because ah. it's kind of hard to live up to that i think it was a good ending for you know obviously he's not going to be james bond anymore and so they had to find a way to have his character move out so someone else can go in and i think they did it about as well as they could be expected to do that's all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say anything else he's definitely it's which is funny because i think i watched it just because i watched the glass onion with him Mm -hmm. it's so funny that he's like he's james bond and everything but you look at him i'm like He's pretty craggy face to be considered traditionally handsome, isn't he? He yeah. is, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. he's, I think each one of the Bonds 
the actors have held on to the Bond role a little bit longer every time. Mm-hmm. So I guess mm-hmm. because once you find something that really works, everyone's like, oh, we've had some we've had some duds before. We have to just keep moving with this one actor as long as we possibly can. But yeah, yeah but his yeah. his role in um, Knives Out, I know, was about as far from James Bond as you can oh, get and fair. still delightful. So was he still, what is it, the, the corn-fed drawl sort of thing going on in Glass Onion? Very, very. I mean, like I said, I... I think I texted you guys. I think if you look at it a little too hard, you might see some plot holes. Um, but I think it still works very well as a mystery. I like how they give you some information and make you look in a different direction sometimes. I think that's great. I think it's very fun. I will say for I did this for James Bond. I was watching it on my friend's big LG TV, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, something, you know, all these action scenes are going on. I'm like, this this is weird. There's something very weird about what I'm watching. Why does it look strange? And then I remembered all the conversation I've been reading on Twitter about motion smoothing. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a setting that comes default on a lot of TVs nowadays, and it's basically adding in extra frames. I guess, I don't know, it's, it seems like one of those ideas that was thought up by engineers rather than artists. It's like, ooh, we'll make the motion even smoother than smooth. It, makes, it looks very plasticky in a way, or like a soap opera or whatever. I Googled it, found out how to get into it on my friend's TV. On an LG, it's called True Motion, and I turned it off, and my God, it's instantly better. It looks like a movie again. You yeah, know? I cannot oh, stand that. I have noticed that years ago when seeing the big TV displays in uh, Best Buy and yeah. wondering, why does it look like everybody's sort of a cutout away from the background? Yes. And, and yes. it definitely has that soap opera feel, but also unreality. And I just like, yeah. how can anyone look at that and think that that's an improvement? Yeah, I guess it's just, I don't know, I guess it's a way to sell big TVs because it maybe it gives things like a sci-fi kind of, I don't know, it's just really irritating, but oh, I'm so glad I turned it off. But um, sorry, I know that was a that was a trans, I didn't want to let that one go away before I forgot to mention it. But um, yeah, he's still very much the corn fed, you know, very fun, but disarming sort of thing. There's an opening bit for him, his opening scenes mm-hmm. in the movie. I, I think you're going to be a little delighted. They did a thing that I was completely not expecting. They did several things I was not expecting, and I think you'll <laughs> like it. It's, it's fun. It's definitely a, it's a fun movie beginning to end. Everybody does a great job. The sets are beautiful. Um, the costumes are lovely. The dialogue is hilarious. It's real. It's good. And Edward Norton. I haven't had a chance to see Edward Norton in something in a long time, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, he plays a character that uh, I don't think he's played a character like this before. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Well, I probably could have caught up on a lot of stuff yesterday when um, Nathan was recording an episode of his podcast, Midlife Crisis Task Force. Uh, but I was just looking around and I saw something I'd been curious about. It was a movie from 2000 13 it's on Amazon Prime and it's called Coherence and I liked it I I feel like I wasn't really able to keep up with a lot of the plot developments but that's only because they're doing something really weird with the story and um, I only recognize one of the actors from another place and I won't say who it is because I was kind of you know delighted to realize oh Oh, that's who that is. <laughs> I love it when that happens. That's yes. so fun. But I, yeah, I can recommend it. I mean, it's. I think the ending might. Some people might have a problem with the ending, but ever since. God, what am I remembering? Oh, yeah, okay. 
odd little tangent, time bandits. We uh, listened to the Rule of Three podcast episode about time bandits. Yes. And before I watched that, I'd always been a little freaked out by the ending of Time Bandits because it ends with his awful parents blowing themselves to bits and he's on his own. And then someone on the Rule of Three pointed out, in most fairy tales or adventure stories, the child losing their parents is where the story begins. And I thought, uh-huh. that is a much better way of looking at it. I feel like you can do something similar with the ending of Coherence. Just uh-huh. as like, this would ordinarily be where a story would start. So uh-huh. I just, yeah, I liked it. I, I can recommend that one. Nice. Very nice. Okay, last thing I want to mention we had talked last podcast about how I had started watching Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. and I I am afraid that it does kind of what uh, The Haunting of Hill House does, where it has a trajectory up that's just like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then the last couple episodes, oh, my God, no one shuts up. It's Aww. just so long speeches, and everybody talks the same, and so much of the speeches are just dumb. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? And these scenes of people like... You know, a lot of the central tenet of the story is like it's it's centered around this church on an island, and maybe some people are a little too religious, maybe they're just a little religious enough, I don't know. But, you know, for like a late night service, and they're all gathering to walk through the streets, and they're singing a hymn, and it goes on for freaking ever. And I'm like, yes, everybody walking through the city, town, village, whatever, with their little candles and singing, very pretty. It's like two minutes pretty it's not as pretty it's just i was so irritated i'm like where is this guy's editor what's happening my god has no one delivered this criticism to him yet that he does not need to have characters go on for speeches for five minutes saying something that you could have said in like a, a minute and a half conversation i don't know because there was also like in the final episode there's like this information reveal that i'm like Okay, I guess I can see where that, but it's like it was played up like, oh, they've been building to that this whole time. No, they didn't. They really, or if they did, they did it very badly. So it's just storytelling things that I'm like, why? Why do? You, why would you feel like you needed to add that? And the biggest shame about it is somewhere in the middle of the series, and I'm not going to tell you where, but there is a moment that happens that I, it is just like. It's just about, maybe not quite, but I feel like it was just about as good as Bent Neck Lady. Really? Oh, that's high praise right there. Yeah, it just, it happened. You're like, oh, they're going to, oh, that's what, oh, oh my, oh yeah, yeah, ooh, that makes sense. Oh, wow. You know, and it just, it was like, if, it's like I wouldn't really recommend the series as a whole, but my God, if you can watch just to that moment, it's just it's really, I was like, and I saw it on the plane too. I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. So yeah, this, it does have at least one really good moment. I have to give it that. But then, you know, the finality and I'm just like, ugh, dude, man, you've got to get an editor. Jesus. Wow. All right. Well, I got to maybe watch that. I also got to watch more episodes of uh, Umbrella Academy, which I still haven't uh-huh. started in. And mm-hmm. you and I are actually thinking maybe about putting a pause on the Netflix accounts for a little while because they're just not yeah. adding a ton of new stuff, I don't think. Well, I don't. I mean, they are adding a lot of new stuff. I was even thinking about it. I was scrolling through it yesterday, and I feel like such a spoiled first-worlder. I'm like, no, no, no. Why is there nothing good? I'm like, no, nah, it's just, there's nothing. There's a ton of stuff there. There is. Netflix has a ton of stuff. It's just nothing that I really feel like watching right now, and I feel like I have to be a little bit smarter 
about my, I mean, if I'm paying this fee every single month, but I'm only watching like one or two things and everything else I'm checking out on some other streaming service, I'm like, why don't? I mean, because it's not like, hmm, it's not like they make you pay a penalty when you pause your subscription and start it up again, right? So, right. I mean, it's like you pay for the month, right? So it really makes sense to like, why not just pause it a couple months, you know, save the, what is it, 15 bucks a month, I guess, right Something now? like that, yeah. Sure, you know, save 30 bucks. Anything that you want to watch is probably going to be there when you come back, and then you watch it then. So yeah, thinking about doing that. But after the Oscars, because I think there's some documentaries that Netflix does have that I want to watch. Okay, yeah. Uh, when, are, when are the Oscars this year? Uh, March. I March, so, okay. Yeah, 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 I was just talking with Nathan about playing that um, actorly game with Hannah and realizing that I know a lot of older actors. I do not know the names of a lot of the younger actors. And we're talking like age 20 to age 38 or something. It's almost like a mystery to me. And it's because I don't watch enough movies. I just sit down to rewatch a TV show that I've watched a dozen times already. And I don't know anybody's name in that either. I know. I know. I know. I was just thinking about the other day. I was like, well, I watched some stuff with younger people. And then I watched The Hunger Games. Jennifer Aniston. Um, oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, damn it. I did that too. So I meant Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. Um, but I don't remember. I mean, I think it's like, it's one of the Hemsworth brothers who plays a character. I don't remember the name of the guy who played PETA. I can never remember. Will Harris? What's his name? The guy who played uh, the old drunk guy. Oh, shit. He was on Cheers. Not Will Ferrell. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Damn it, I wasn't anywhere close. So. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't remember any of their names. I remember the characters. Oh, yeah. I always remember, I the, remember the characters' names. Well, mm-hmm. no, I don't, actually. But I remember more than I remember the actors' names, which is a shame. Yeah. Fair, fair. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out PixelatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Mm, oh, man, I found out that... Um, whatchamacallit, uh, oddities and something weirdness. There's an expo that happened this weekend in San Diego. Oh, I found out about it the day after it happened. I know. I was like, shoot, I was going to go to that. Ugh. That's okay. COVID is starting to get geared up again. Maybe it's a good idea to put a pause on the conventions for just a little bit. A little you know. bit. Start wearing some masks, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Limit your uh, yeah. socializing. That would probably yes. be a good idea. Please get your booster. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be some stuff we'll have photos of. I am hopefully going to have a review the latest episode issue whatever of I Hate Fairyland is out this week, so I gotta review that. I oh, mean, that's just off the scale weird. It's just <laughs> violent? Violent! Super violent! But yeah. All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So, next week we still won't have a Night Vale episode? Nope. But maybe I will have watched Glass Onion by then so we can have mm-hmm. a more in-depth discussion. And maybe I'll watch some more Umbrella Academy. And maybe I won't do any of that because we're specific. We are so specific. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later. Bye.